I flew all the way around the world for this moment and you don't even know what the hell we're doing? Do we have something for this? Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, there's like pages of... Documentation. Things. Yeah, I know. Pictures and stuff. This is Ryan. He's not going to send me loads and loads of detail, is he? I never do that. I'm a very minimalistic kind of man. Yeah, bullet points. (laughs) 50,000 bullet (laughs) points. We're still loving the fact that Ryan's not quite used to wearing bullet points. Scared someone's going to sneak up on me. Slap you on the back of the head. (laughs) That's what you get when you're bald. They're always getting after you. I shaved my head for charity a few years ago, and uh, it wasn't good. I just looked like a big thumb. The barber, for a laugh, shaved it so I just had the sides and bald on the top. And then he's like, and we're done. And have you ever seen Ron Lesh? Yeah. Yeah, I looked exactly like Ron Lesh. I had this strawberry blonde, orange kind of knot hair, but just around the side. So bad. That's literally my hairstyle. <laughs> we, we're going to chat about what I've been up to. Well, I've yeah, met a bunch of people, had a bunch of conversations. I was really fucking sick for a week. Did you notice how sick I was at Manchester? No, I was not well. You put the beers down, all right? Well, I had to. It was the only way I could talk. We could do the entire podcast doing our best Australian accent. And I can do I my best do English accent. Yeah. Don't do accents. I've learned that I should not do accents. Yeah, well, at least you've learned a little bit more than Ryan then. <laughs> oh, and Indy. Indy does a very hilarious northern accent. I'll do one. She thinks it's absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Adrian Blur. One day I'll meet Adrian. I've got a joke to go. We're just going to roll after that? Or like, is we oh, literally going to allow Indy to have to try and piece a thousand piece puzzle together? That's normally how it works. Yeah, that's <laughs> normally how it works. That is what happens. Literally, like a million pieces on the floor. Well, if this content gets broadcast, Ali, we are way more organised, and that is laughable. All right, I got something, guys. Go on, him. Go. Yeah. go. Why can't you fart in an Apple store? I don't know. Why can't you fart in an Apple store? Because they don't have windows. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Right? <laughs> that, that was just <laughs> atrocious. Come on, give me a laugh, India. Come on. <laughs> I was just like... It's, oh. it's good, isn't it? It's just... It's so... Dad jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Dad jokes. Is that what we're going to have to include good, now? Actually. Dad jokes. Yeah. Maybe I'm a little... I don't know. Like, Classy? as soon as you said the Apple store, I was thinking of a shop full of apples. <laughs> Oh. Hold on, isn't, this is like a this is a podcast about technology, right? I know. Yeah. Not, this is this not is a woman who lives in the city as well. Exactly. Well, you, you probably shouldn't fart in a store for apples either. Hello, and welcome to the Digitals in a Cruel World podcast. As you could probably tell, we've got a very interesting guest on this week: the infamous Andrew Van Der Beek from Illuminate in Australia. How are you, Andrew? I'm well, thank you. Good to be here. The banter leading up to this very moment has been. A plus, and uh, yeah, enjoying it. It's been good. We we like to take an epic approach to banter, hmm. and are you kicking it off with possibly one of the worst jokes I've ever heard? Is uh, the best way to start a podcast. The the only way to live is through bad jokes. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, on that topic, we have also the co-host John Toon on the podcast. You shouldn't call him a bad joke. I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm happy with that link, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Ryan. Whilst run by jokes, knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting cow. Moo. <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> Heard that one. Oh, dear. Well, it is a dad joke. So there you go. Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Um, on the train down to London this morning, and you've yeah, hot footed it straight over here to the studio. So been loving the strikes in uh, on the tube. Like I, I couldn't catch oh. the tube here, so I had to get an Uber. Had to wait 25 minutes for an Uber to decide they wanted to pick me up. I'm wondering if they just saw us from Australia. They're like, nah, not that guy. <laughs> <It's> too Larry. <laughs> not that guy. Took ages, and then we finally got here. And it was only a short walk from the uh, Uber to the actual location of recording too, which is great. 
<laughs> is that is that bad Uber skills or is that just just, just not That's knowing where John you're going? That's John Toon's directions. Fuck off. Going on a royal tour <laughs> of the whole of Somerset House. I gave you simple instructions to follow, which were provided by the host. Who then said, "How did you manage to get down here?" I'm just broken. Yeah, You've got to have a friendly broken. face. People just trust you. And as you can tell, we also have our wonderful producer, Indy. How are you, Indy? Apart from getting lost, how's your spit roast? <clears throat> Now I, I now I know what that means. <laughs> I cannot comment. I, I I do not condone that kind of activity. Can I just say? Was it, was it toasty? Get lost, John. <laughs> I am Bracing. Well. We're getting ready for digital accountancy. So, well, yeah, it's tomorrow, which should be interesting. And it's nice to meet Andrew in person. Mm. Always a pleasure to see John join us south of the border. We should tally up the number of sessions they're all doing. That's what we should do. Uh, How many have you got, Andrew? Andrew two. Got two. Three for Indy. Three for me. Three. Two for you, Andrew. Uh, it's all right. Uh, only the rock stars have got three. It's not about qu- quantity, it's about quality. <laughs> oh, God, I'm really doomed. <laughs> well. You haven't heard <clears throat> John and I speak then. <laughs> <laughs> I well, go on for hours. Yeah. They definitely on have. Many things. As they listen to the podcast, they've heard you talk about things for a long time. <laughs> anyway, I think actually what we'd love to uh, start on, Andrew, is a little bit about. You coming over to the UK mm. uh, for the first time in three years? Yeah, so 2019 was the last time I was here. I came over to speak at Accountex as well as another session up in Edinburgh, uh, which was actually my first international, uh, you know, kind of endeavour in terms of jumping on stage and talking to a room full of accountants. So this time around, yeah, I, I, I had the pleasure of jumping on stage at Accountex telling a whole bunch of accountants that they're actually not trusted because the data shows that we're not trusted, even though technology companies like to tell us that we are trusted advisors and break a bit of myths there. And then I spent uh, a couple of weeks touring through your fine country up in Edinburgh, in Manchester, in in classy Birmingham, which didn't feel all that classy. The fine country. The fine country. And I, I spent some time talking about well, the theme was who cares? So what do we actually care about in the accounting world? But more importantly, what do our clients care about and how do we connect with that? And then I nicked off for a week or two off to Spain and Paris, Very came nice. back and then chatting with you guys. And then tomorrow, a digital accountancy show, which would be great, talking Brilliant. about authenticity and how the technology that we use is pointless. Yeah, right. Well, well <laughs> Hi, I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a podcast about technology and saying it's all pointless. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> and you forgot to mention mom. Oh, yes. And, and I'm here with my mum. So my mother was born in Bournemouth. She moved to Australia when she was four, came back when she was 19 for a quick trip and hasn't been back in 43 years. So mum has come with me for this entire trip. First time she's seen me in my, I guess, accounting world element, which has been nice. And I haven't murdered her yet. So like all props oh. to me, I think, for being able to withhold that. For Are a you month. going back down to Bournemouth? No, we won't. We aren't, we aren't going to do But if we come back next year, which there's already plans in place for, I think her sister and her brother is going to come and we're all going to go down to where the family kind of started. Nice. Yeah. Are you slightly concerned that John seemed to know your mum? Well. <laughs> <laughs> Revelation on the show right there. Yeah. So you're pretty infamous in the, uh, in the county scene, and, but more so in Australia than the UK. So for any of our listeners that has not heard about Andrew Van Der Beek, could you just give us a very brief um, overview of like your experience and how you've come to... Absolutely. So I run an accounting firm called Illuminate, spelt with the number eight instead of the letters A-T-E, just to confuse those over the age of 50. 
we have been we turned ten uh, a couple of weeks ago, or I'll give you May the first for depending on whenever this gets released or listened to. So we turned ten years old at that point, and uh, ten years ago I quit my then job at the age of twenty six because I was frustrated how transactional accounting could be and how I wanted to I wanted to be more relational. How can I connect with the people behind the business? So I quit my job, started a firm, and we were cloud day one. So we've been one hundred percent cloud, one hundred percent zero for ten, years, which it's been a pretty epic journey, and then obviously all the technology that surrounds the core platform of Zero as well, which has been there. So we got a team of twenty. Uh, we work with mainly owner operators, small businesses. Uh, we work with a lot of creatives, a lot of hospitality businesses, e-commerces, and others around there. And we deliver the same stuff that pretty much everyone else does in terms of accounting, bookkeeping, technology advice, and advisory. But we do it with our own little sprinkle of flavour, our own dusting, our own barbecue sauce kind of thing. And that makes us a bit more unique compared to others. But we do our thing, but we've done it for 10 years now. We've done it fully cloud and we've done it authentically and with no no fear of what the repercussions might look like. I've been told I've made a lot of really good, bad decisions <laughs> over my career that somehow I keep falling upwards. And like we had a tattoo artist at a party of ours one year where we gave out free tattoos to all our clients. And there was like 40 tattoos done on the night and six people got their first ever tattoos. And everyone's like, are you serious? Like, aren't you going to like, isn't it all going to go bad? And yeah, it turns out it went pretty good. Cool. So and come along to a party. We'll give you a tattoo, Indy. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I'm going to get. Don't, Don't let even John say pick. It. <laughs> Don't Just look even at John. Say it, John. I swear. This way up. Without a good quality tech stack, I can't actually have the right conversations with my clients because I don't know what's actually going on in their worlds. And we've been cloud only for 10 years. And it's meant that we've been able to, for those 10 years, have conversations immediately with clients around what's going on rather than be like, cool, all right, well, send me the information. I'll get back to you on it. Like, There's no lag, which is great for providing value and service, but really crap for expectation. So I remember traveling through Sri Lanka for three weeks about five years ago with my not quite three-year-old. And other than my not quite three-year-old deciding she didn't want to have anything to do with me for the whole three weeks we were there, what I found was, sweet, I can work from anywhere. Look at me. I'm on a beach and I'm doing payroll. I'm on the top of a mountain and I'm doing some video calls. This is great. And then realizing that clients are like, sick, well, since you're still working, can you? (laughs) And you're like, oh, damn it. Now that I can do anything from anywhere, people know that I can do anything from anywhere and they almost have that expectation. Set an unreasonable expectation. That's what it is. Yeah. And time zones are funny because they're like, oh, can we jump on a call? I'm like, that would be like 4 a.m. for me. They're like, yeah, is that all right? I'm like, no. No. (laughs) I'm just going to bed at that time. That's like when Ryan tries to organize the podcast recording at like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Ryan. Well, I've literally been been up for two minutes. He it for seven (laughs) o'clock. It's outrageous. I've been working for half an hour by then. I don't see the problem. And Sancho, you you alluded to earlier, you... You've been going around the country in the UK speaking. How did you get into that? How did you start? Yeah, well, okay. So about six odd years ago in Australia, I won an award, the Thought Leader of the Year Award, which is a really wanky award, right? And look, and it's something that I'm I'm very grateful to have received. I, I didn't think my perspective and my opinions were all that important. And then it turns out a lot of people really appreciated the way I look at things. So that was kind of my first foray into like, oh, cool. So like, People can ask me a question and I might have a comment or I might think about something and share that idea and people really appreciate what that might look like because it's different than what they used to or it might sit with them well. From that, I went on a few speaking tours around Australia as part of more of a collective roadshow experience. Uh, There was the Accountants Big Day Out. Yeah, right. (laughs) Sounds pretty mad, doesn't it? In in Australia, there was the Big Day Out, which is like a big party. So I think that was the thing. So we did that. 
I've spoken a number of zero things. For me, I'm incredibly passionate about the potential of our industry. And when I look at that potential, I say, like, there are thousands, if not millions of people just like me who every day are working with small businesses and dealing with numbers and profit and all these other things. And we can create so much impact in our world. So how can I, en masse, encourage people to be the best version of themselves in their professional environment? Well, I'll jump on stage and I'll yell at them. And that's what I've done for the last five or six years outside of that. So it's strange to think that I get to do this thing as like a slash side hustle kind yeah. of part of what I do, but I'm constantly reminded how lucky I am to be able to do this. And and you also run a podcast. I do, yeah. So podcast back home with a very good friend of mine, Ali Garrett from All In Advisory, which is a, a South Australian or what we call a Radeladian accounting firm. And our podcast is called Ali and Andrew's All Aussie Accounting Adventures, which the UK is probably don't know of a guy called Russell Coit. He had this show mm. called All Aussie Adventures, which was a very farcical take on living in Australia in the bush. It's hilarious. And Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. So we thought, let's merge them together and come up with as many words, starting with the letter A, as we possibly can. Hence, our podcast really is known as A. <laughs> yeah, well, you did say about a negative attitude to tech. And mm-hmm. I, I think John and I are quite passionate about how we think cloud technology can revolutionize how a business operates. I assume you're not necessarily attacking that. No. So what is it you are attacking? So yeah, first and foremost, I love tech. We use it, we embrace it. We're 100% cloud-based and we love the iteration of what technology is allowing us to do now versus what it has historically been able to do. What I attack here in this conversation that I'm going to talk about tomorrow is around what do we actually cling to that helps to differentiate us. So for example, oh, I use Zero. Cool. Like, so does those people and all these people over here. Like, come on, everyone uses Zero or QuickBooks or Sage or, oh, we use Dex. Cool. Like, as yeah. does everybody. So, and that's what, the thing about technology, isn't it? Is it becomes ubiquitous, doesn't it? Same yes. as like the iPhone and 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 you know, everything else is like over time. Yep. You, the, those levels just keep moving up and up and up, don't they? Well, I can remember when we first adopted Zero and we we're using it. We would get people literally walking up our stairs randomly, walking past our office. They saw a Zero stick on the door. They walk up thinking that we are Zero. Realize that we're accountants that do that and go, "Cool, all right. Well, my accountant doesn't do Zero. Can you be my accountant?" And we're like, "Well, hold on. Whoa, who are you? What do you do?" That happened like eight or nine years ago, and that would happen once, two, three times a week for ages. It was nuts. It doesn't happen anymore. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's in Australia in particular, uses everybody uses it. So it's not saying it's a bad thing, but it's saying if that is the one thing that you hang your hat on and say, oh, well, we use Zero, we use Dex, or we use this, whilst that's a good thing, it's not exactly a differentiator right now. I think the adoption of tech, particularly in Australia, has been so widely um, consumed that it's rare to find someone who's not using technology as opposed to someone who is using it. Now, don't get me started on people who know how to use it versus people who are using it. That's a very different conversation. But it's more talking about the idea of like, how do we actually differentiate ourselves, and how do we connect with our clients at the end of the day? Is it technology? No, I don't think it is. There's an aspect of that. And there are clients who want to use people who use certain tech, but there's too many people out there now to kind of work with. It, if you just work on tech, people will just run off price mm. and go, well, they're cheaper. They use the same tech, so I'll use them. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You change the delivery model, so you've got to then differentiate in a different way to make yourself totally. create value. Yep. And then, you, I mean, you can iterate on that tech and say, well, not only do we use the tech, but we can teach and train you how to use it. So we've got maybe courses or qualifications, and we can really go to the nth degree. Like, I know you guys, your roles are like tech, heavy, 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 heavy tech. Like, you're Mike Shane back at my team in Illuminate. He does what you guys do here. 
but that's few and far between. So that in itself is a nice differentiator where it's like, well, cool, there's like 10 of us in the country that can do this. So we can differentiate that way. But just using it, that's it's not a thing anymore. You can't just whack a sticker on a window yeah. and wait for people to wander on up. The UK is getting to where Australia is because we've hit that penetration point. Everyone's saying they're a zero or a sage or a QuickBooks yep. uh, county firm and, and that yeah, means nothing anymore. No, that leads on to something that differentiates the Aussie market to the, the UK market, though, is that we hear a lot about this concept of app overload or mm. overwhelm and things like that in, in, in Australia. Is that a genuine thing or is that a buzzword in the same way that app advisory was a buzzword sort of five or six years ago? <laughs> so I think the unofficial count is 17.4 billion apps out there. It's not really that number. It's a little bit less, but it feels like that. I won't lie. Like I can remember going to Zerocons eight years ago and discovering Ignition. Like for the first time, they're only new. And you're like, now you'd be like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, Ignition, Go, Proposal. And I think that app overload is that a lot of the core things that we need to do as accountants for our own business and then a lot of the core things that our clients need to do, an app now exists. It mm-hmm. used to be a piece of paper, then it became a desktop software and now it's become a cloud software. So it exists out there. So what are we seeing when something new comes out? We just look at another thing that does something that has a different color. Is it really differentiating or are we just getting more and more receipt capturing apps? Are we just getting more and more financial transaction capturing apps? And the app overload definitely comes from there is that there's just so many of them out there. And the challenge for these newer ones is the ones that have been around for ages have got users, which means they've got revenue and it also means they've got credibility. So it means that the Zeros, the Sages, the QBOs, the MIBs, there's an Australian reference for you. They are willing to partner with these people because these apps have the funds to pay the big players to allow them to play. Whereas if I'm a newbie who started a new tool that does receipt capturing and I've got five bucks to my name, oh, hey, Zero, do you reckon we can, yeah, sure, it's like 25 grand or something if you want to use our API or you want to go to this. So like, there's less chance for these apps to really get into it. So whilst I think there is overwhelm because there's a lot more there, I think we're also starting to see a lot less interesting stuff come out now less innovation yeah, yeah. But, but is that a, the, the the overwhelm thing does that affect businesses and accountants more do you think i compare like the zero app marketplace so it's what 1200 plus approved apps there's quite a lot of unapproved apps certainly here in the uk and also in australia but you pick up your phone like how many apps can you get access to on your phone like yeah, it's, it's not 1200 <laughs> it's more like 20 yeah, thousand yeah, yeah, millions yeah. whatever it is and and the same in like the crm space if you look at the crm space that space is defined by the connections into other apps that you can have. And the biggest CRMs out there, Salesforce, for example, has in excess of, what, 4,000, 5,000 apps. And then you've got the applets on the side, the the, the connections with things like the Zapiers of Mm. the world that also then connect into thousands of others. So I kind of look at it and think, well, Zero, I've got 1,200 official apps. That's kind of nothing. We're not even a quarter of the way there. And and so I, I get your point about the innovation thing, but is this really like, app overwhelm or is this like app apathy like, accountants have got to a point where they're like well i've got zero and i've got dext and i might have approval max or something but i can't be asked for the rest of it yeah i think that's huge so people will work their three or four core procs right so you use zero use dext use ignition you might have a go cardless in australia we don't need go cardless because ignition can do it all mm. you might have one or two others maybe five maybe six and that'll be your app stack Right, and then we hear a lot of accounting firms going, "Oh, here's my app stack, and this is what I use." And then you know they might listen to businesses like yours and mine and be like, "Oh, what's your app stack? Oh, how can I use your app stack? I want to really use what you use." I'm like, "Well, 
you should use what you should use, not what I use, because what I use works for me, not for you. And I think that overwhelm comes in that there there is a lot of stuff out there. People don't know where to look. So what they do is they look at all the other firms who maybe Well, there is public. an easy place to look, though. The Zero App Store. Yeah. I mean, it's not rocket science. Zero. Yeah. And, and it really bugs me because you see people on like forums going, well, I need an app to do this. And it's like, well, have you gone to the App Store? No, no, I haven't started that. Well, yeah, but, hell, just, but if they go to the app store, they yeah. have to figure that shit out for themselves. Like, like, oh, hold on, which but, one's good? Yeah, the problem is a lot of accountants in particular just aren't willing to do that like heavy lifting to just look at what's happening. Yeah, out. but do they have the resource to do that? Mm-hmm. We're lucky enough to be in a mid-tier firm, John. We've got you know more resource we can pull. When you're a, a small accountancy firm, you're overwhelmed with just trying to deliver work. There's no people to do work at the moment. Oh, I can speak directly to that. You know, we're a team of 20 and, and have we rolled out any new technology that I've been happy with in the last two years? No. Have we started using new technology in the last two years? Yes, but I'm not particularly happy with it. But sometimes we're in a position of privilege where we have either the space and the resources or we have the knowledge and the skill set to be able to go to an app store to look at, to understand how do I analyze what it does? How do I re- to put a business case study together and whether it should or shouldn't work? And we're asking accountants who've lodged tax returns with via paper for 30 years to do that. Yeah. So I can understand why people will be like, hey, so what should I use? And they're looking for advice from people who do it. The challenge then is for people like you guys is, well, hold on, that's my IP. I've spent years getting to this point. I'm paid well by the firm that I work for to deliver this stuff. So if I'm just going to give that to you, oh, should I be paid for that? Like, should I even give it to you? Am I taking some IP of myself and my firm away? Or is this more of a perspective of, well, the more people that get better at this, the better for our industry? And, and that's kind of the approach I take is that last one. It's like, everyone's like, Andrew, why do you tell everybody what you do? I'm like, well, for starters, they're not me. So they're not going to be able to do it the way I do it. And hopefully they do it in their own way. But secondly, if I can't give them that little nudge, who else is going to? And if more people do this, then we have a more ground cell support for better technology and better adoption. And hopefully we see a continue and improve. My viewpoint is like all of us have got to get up to speed. Like in our firm, our app stack is what, 40, 50 apps, something like that. But that's not the internal app stack. That's like the external client facing yeah. one. Yes. And, and we're probably across about 80 or 90 apps in a lot of detail in, in general. But I've got the advantage that I've grown up in that zero ecosystem mm. and the QuickBooks ecosystem and things. So I've seen a lot of the apps come, I've seen some go as well, and I see what's moving in technology. And there are areas where I'm not an expert in. I don't touch apps like that because we don't have clients in that space, so it's of no interest to me and there's no point in me spending my time. Happy to take that one, John. And, and Ryan, <laughs> Ryan's got all the Cheeky expertise handle. in the world. <laughs> so. What you're touching on there, just, just that little snippet, is that's that's almost a bit of an argument for a level of niching is that, well, if our clients are looking for more and if we need to be on top of apps more, maybe we should reduce the number of industries we work with so we actually yeah. understand what they need ne- in the apps they need. Niching become more and more important now. Those mm-hmm. I also bag niching out tomorrow too. Ah, uh, what a surprise. Because <laughs> I can probably figure out how to do it in half an hour on Google as well. <laughs> and I can call myself a niche expert. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> you were saying you're zero only. And yes. in, the, in the last 10 years, I genuinely thought it was an Australian thing to have a shop full of apples. I, I love the fact that you look at Australians and go, yeah, they probably have a store just with apples because that's how simple they are. Yeah, they're how backwards. <laughs> Yeah, we don't want to cross-contaminate the apple with bananas, so we have to have an apple shop and a banana shop and an orange shop. Well, you can't put bananas with apples anyway. You can't, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we can. Because supermarkets, when they (laughs) store apples, right, they store them in cold storage, (laughs) and then to make them right, they inject the chemical that's produced by bananas to ripen. They do it. Is there something that you don't know about, John? How to grow a beard. Oh, yeah, I can't grow a beard because I haven't gone through puberty yet. I can't do um, Movember because it's far too embarrassing. 
<laughs> so I did Movember once and there's a burger chain in Australia called Grill. And during Movember, about 12 years ago, they would give you a free burger every day if you were doing Movember. So it was awesome. Like, hey, I do Movember, rock up, free burger every day. There's my lunch sorted. So year number one, all good. Year number two, about a week or two in, I go to get my burger. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. No. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, you're clearly not doing Movember. I'm like, yeah, but look at my top lip. Like, there was nothing. I've got blonde hair, right? They're like, there's nothing like, you're clearly not doing it. I'm like, hold on. This bloke here who's behind me, who had a beard for like months and just shaved it off to get free burgers, is getting a burger because he's doing Movember, but I'm actually doing it, raising money. I don't do Movember now. I don't either. <laughs> I mean, I get. I mean, Indy's done Movember. No, 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 I've done Fanny Mary. What the hell? I've never seen you laugh as much as that. <laughs> your speeches all the I was going to say, I don't think it's fair that women don't get to do something, but then, yeah. Do Fanny Mary. How do we know if you're doing it or not? Yeah. Well, we shouldn't have to publish. <coughs> you could, have you not seen our only fans? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Not> you, John Fuck <laughs> <Not> you. <laughs> not on only fans. <laughs> <laughs> For good money, you can. <laughs> <laughs> I was checking up on him in this special video. Mm-hmm. A special video? Mm-hmm. Is that, are you going to say something about a bit roasting? No. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. That was very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Because John introduced me as what? Someone that likes... Loves a good spit roast? Loves a good... Yeah, that was it. You were talking about roast, not me. Likes it hot and salty? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was what my introduction was. Oh, do I? Oh, I see. Oh, nice. I'm going to have to Google it. Hold on, you don't know what that means? I assume I understand a little bit of what it means. It's really not good. That's why I was like, I can't believe you're saying that. (laughs) Do you know how you spit roasted a thing? So you've got like the chicken or whatever. Yeah. And then you put something in one end. Something oh. the other <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that realisation moment. The finger illustration helps. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the fingers. Not yes. the fingers, though. <laughs> well, could John be. Could be. Could be. Mm. You don't have to be rotating. Jonathan. If you Man. pull this shit on a live stage, I swear to God, I don't think I can hold my tongue. How much have you relied on zero to backfill some of that knowledge with the different apps that have come out? Oh, that's a really good question. So the Illuminate ways to like, we'll, we'll figure it out. Or an Aussie phrase is, you know, she'll be right, mate. So we will often push ourselves to try and learn that. But without the zero cons, without the zero roadshows, without a good quality account manager, without that kind of environment, we would not have gotten to where we are. So I can hands down say that the environment zero created, particularly when we were doing this 10 years ago, was fundamental in our adoption and our, and our ability to adopt. You now look at Zero, who's now grown to the scale where, I mean, they're not at QuickBooks or Sage scale internationally, but they're, they're now big. So they have a slightly different approach to how they deliver the education. There's a lot of online content, a lot of piecemeal stuff, whereas I feel like 10 years ago or even six years ago, it was a bit more relational, a bit more connected and a bit Definitely. more like one-on-one supporting, right? So are you a Zero-only firm? Yes, Okay, because that's definitely something that in the UK, there's challenges in this area at the moment. People are deciding, should they go down one route? Should they be ubiquitous across multiple different systems? And there's ones where they've picked a route and now they're starting to judge, yeah. is that the one Ooh, we should did be Did I make the bad call? Yeah. So the big thing for me here is two things. One, it's internal efficiency. So if we have one source of data that's coming through, 
I know we I can build one process the whole way through, and if I ever need to deal with something, it's the same process we can deal with it. So I'm not having to worry about, oh, shit, how do I do that in QBO? Or how do I do that in Sage? Or how do I do that in Free Agent or whatever other ones you got over here? So I only have to have, have to worry about one. And you look at that training that goes on top of that, that means there's theoretically either less training or more volume of training on the one product, which means there's more training available for that. So that's the number one reason. The number two reason is inevitably when a client goes, oh, hey, how do I do this in XYZ software? We know that software inside and out. Mm. So if a client goes, oh, hey, I can't get this report out of QuickBooks, I'll be like, cool, I don't know how to get it out. So if we just focus on zero, and our rule is you either use zero or within a 12-month period, you're moving to zero. And, And it's not a matter of, forcing you you have to but it's like if you want to be a client of ours you have to because we're not confident we can deliver as good of a service but also we're not confident we can get as good of a return on our service back at our end at the same time so we've made that call now it's easier in australia because we have zero tax and zero tax is embedded within zero practice manager and i believe that's not too far off here well we have zero tax here but we don't the zero practice manager is not anywhere near the same level i hear some whisperings that Sooner or later, there might be some game changey stuff happening there. Oh, you mean like sooner, like a zero con kind of sooner? You might hear about it at zero con, <laughs> but I don't think you'll see it at zero. We're expecting some big announcement on XPM, particularly at zero con, about Definitely the fact that they're going to chuck up. some money into it. But, oh, um, I mean, which I could, is long overdue. My experience, zero practice manager embedded with zero tax has meant that cool, I can just do all it all in there, and I don't have to worry about where it all comes from and how it all works, it just mm. becomes so much more streamlined. But it's because we're zero only. Platforms. Is that a limiting thing for your practice or is that a uniquely Australian thing? Because there are practices here in the UK that have gone down that zero only or QuickBooks only or Sage only mm-hmm. route. They get to a size and they then have to diverge out of that because they can't sustain that growth on one platform. So Ryan and I work for big firms, so we've kind of got, a, we're coming at this backwards almost because we've got yeah. a legacy of businesses coming from all sorts of different systems and will never be 100% zero because we've got clients that are on everything from manual records all the way up to things like SAP. So there's absolutely no chance you're going to move a client from SAP to zero, for example. But is that something that's uniquely different, do you think, between the two places? We moved a client from SAP to zero. Ah, happy days. <laughs> but they full, should not full, have been on SAP. Full SAP or No, SAP they, they should not have been on there. They were on there because of a parent company that said, oh, go on here and spend yeah. stupid amount of money. So I guess it depends on scale, right? And additionally, there are so many businesses out there that want to use Zero or Sage or QuickBooks. There is an abundance of them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes out of fear, we go, well, I can't just choose one because what happens if someone knocks on my door and I really want to work with them, but they're using the technology that I don't use? You say, well, that's fine because there's 10 other people that are using the technology that you do want to use that you want to work with. So we shouldn't be afraid of what we're going to lose. We should be focusing on what we're going to gain. Yeah. In, in the Aussie market where you've got MYOB, you've got Zero, and you've got maybe a couple of others sort of really big over there, could illuminate get to the scale and size that, that sort of our firms are at where you've got sort of 200 staff on zero only. Is that potentially possible? Because I don't think it is oh, in the a good UK. Qu- Look, I don't know if like that, I mean, we're at 20 and I, if we get to 200, shoot me. I don't want that. Could you do it? I wouldn't say you couldn't because realistically, there's a bunch of firms out there now that are acquiring and converting across the zero. So theoretically, like it's possible I mean, you just go, oh, here's 10 people that all use zero and sick and tired of having all these costs that we're doubling and tripling, so let's just merge up and bang, there's a 200 staff zero only firm. In Australia, it's probably more doable because the percentage of usage of zero is quite high. Mm. So whereas I'm not sure what it's like here in the UK when you've got your split, like what would you percentage-wise across your platforms, what would you say it looks like? 
It's still very heavy on sage in the UK. It's like 50% sage? Sage 50 is still big. Yeah, it's, it's the legacy sage because there's been no absolute need to move. Mm. Businesses only move if they see an advantage of moving on to cloud technology with an integrated system. But actually touching on that, go back six, seven years, sage just made terrible strategic decisions and fell behind the likes of Zero and QuickBooks. Mm. And in the last couple of years, that seems to have pivoted and sage are now coming back in strong, whereas Zero feel like they're now making more not incorrect decisions, but ones that are being questions. Are you experiencing the same thing over in Australia where you've got partners that are questioning the decision zero are making? Yes. I say this as I've got blue in my blood, like zero only. I sit on the zero partner advisory council. I've been there for five years. We've won zero awards. I spent a lot of time. I caught up with a senior leadership team today here in, in London. And absolutely, and and one of the things that I'm somewhat unfortunately known for is letting them know, hey, yeah, you're doing good stuff, but you're dropping the ball on things. And the challenge you have, I think, where you've got a business that has done so much good for so long is you become complacent. And we might have done that in our own roles and our own businesses. It's like, oh, we've been really good. So like, we can just cruise for a bit because we've got all this trust and all this credibility out there. And all of a sudden, we, we forget to check the rearview mirror and there's someone right behind us now, this technology or this account or someone who's now challenging what it is that we do. And we go, oh, crap, I better do something about it. But I've got this rusty bucket sitting here that I've got to now fix up. There are a lot of conversations around what Zero is releasing how they're going about that, why they're making those decisions. Zero is having to rebuild a significant portion of their backend to try and make it one backend rather yep. than a thousand little backends. That's why which... we've only seen like re- new reports for the last 18 months. Yeah, yeah. We see it all the time. Oh, they updated the bank reconciliation screen and everyone's like, this is crap. Why don't you give me something that's good? And they're like, well, we will eventually once we've built yeah. this backend. And they're like, when's it coming? They're like, we can't really comment on when it's coming. And that's that thing that I know that most people at Zero are probably sitting there like, I can't wait to actually get this bit done and then we can start building the product mm. that we want to build again. So yes, there are a lot of questions by partners. I don't think anyone's doubting using them right now, but you'll have the likes of QuickBooks who have a cash grab play where it's $5 yeah. files compared to $50 for zero. But you know eventually that's going to run out and you know you're kind of getting what you're paying for. Especially mm. when you see the prices over in America for QuickBooks. I mean, Absolutely. There's definitely doubts coming into the UK though. We know. I mean, yeah. we're talking to other accountants that we deal with there are doubts about sticking with that zero only structure people that were yeah zero only firms are now broadening their, yeah. their mm. horizon. And, and i also think as an element of this is a growth thing isn't it for zero right so you started up really small out of wellington and everything else and so they were able to have that very personal approach and now they're two thousand three thousand staff whatever it is mm. and the structure of the organization has to change as a consequence of that and everything else so there are issues around that zero making the right noises around about trying to re-engage with the community but I agree that they're spending far too much time like on stupid, crappy things that nobody cares about. Uh, what I've seen from the conversations I'm having is that Zero knows this. They know where they're at. They know what's going on. Uh, and they're doing everything they possibly can to get to the point where all the stuff they've been talking about is actually comes to fruition. Because that's what a lot of people have been doubting. It's like, hey, you've been talking a lot. But like, what have you been doing? I haven't been seeing mm. it. So I, I know it's coming. It will be there eventually. I think it is a matter of for a bunch of people who've got those doubts is, okay, cool. Well, what's the cost of, of change versus staying? And I've learned multiple times over of like sometimes doubling down and focusing on that piece of software that you thought was crap. Turns out it's actually pretty good if you use it properly. Yeah. And sometimes it's just investing into that and going, what do I really need out of this and how do I get it? Well, you heard it here first um, from Andrew. Something's coming from zero. Something's coming. <laughs>
What's your focus on tech now? So where are you going with the next tech that you're introducing into your app stack? And what would you say for the next couple of years is going to be a big thing for your clients? Yeah, this is this is interesting because a lot of my role and responsibility at Illuminate is on Illuminate and the tech that we use for our business to run. So for us, it's very been very, very large on workflow, workflow automation, workflow visibility, CRM, connections, communications, to make sure that what's happening is actually happening, that our clients are delivered the service that they expect. So we're, we're really big into using FYI, which we think is great. And it's bringing a lot of that stuff out and then other tools around there to help to deliver that for clients. Now, what does that mean for client tech at that end? That's a question I'd punt to Shane, to be honest. I, I, I wouldn't say I'd be able to like confidently bluff my way through it. I know there's a bunch of cool shit out there. I, I know once again, like workflow is, we find it with our clients, whether it's the, the plumber that you know renovates bathrooms or it's the you know, creative designer who's building websites, there's still a significant void in truly understanding what they're doing, when they're doing it, how much money they're making out of it and how profitable that is. So I think continual visibility on more workflow. Like I was chatting with someone today and I know in the UK and in Australia, this is a big thing around getting paid faster. We mentioned e-invoicing, getting paid faster. Oh, you know, it was really important. I'm like, yeah, but the number of businesses that will get paid faster and still make no profit is a significant percentage. Like a lot of these businesses that, that are crying out about, oh, I need to get paid faster. Like if I run an accruals P&L versus a cash P&L, yes, Andrew is an accountant, you're still not making profit. So get paid faster, you're still not making profit. You need to fundamentally change and have better visibility on the work you're delivering, the pricing you're changing. Like they say like the biggest reason businesses fail is cash. Well, no, that's the very end bit. It's because they didn't know how to price. It's because they didn't communicate well. It's because they didn't stay on top of like it's that's it ends up at a cash problem, but it actually starts everywhere else. Focus on the customer journey, isn't it? It really is. So it's understanding what are all the levers I have in my business and how do I deliver that? So I'm hoping that I'll continue to see better technology around workflow visibility and profitable performance on a job by job and then on a broader business level for clients because that's one I find when I can have conversations and show them that data, it changes their business. Capturing something with a credit card or whatever, yeah, there's hundreds of people out there that can do that. And just going back to your tour, as you said, you're going around and you're able to talk to businesses and accountants about being more authentic and taking a step back and looking at their business processes, the pricing and et cetera. Now, I've met you for all of a couple of hours. Mm, They're best friends. And you're the sort of person that if I was called up and it's my accountant, I'd be like, oh, hey, God, this is a great chat. Like, have a good old chat with Andrew and he'll tell me off and tell me that I'm not focusing on my pricing. And it's so much about you. How much of that is transferable? How much do you Mm -hmm. think that culturally, going and touring up and down the UK with the accountants that you've met, how much is that replicable? From what I've seen, there is a significant desire for and, and this might just be a reflection of the people that have come to listen to me because either they know who I am or they caught wind of what I'm talking about. But the overwhelming majority of people that I've spoken to have listened to stuff I've talked about and gone, yeah, like I didn't, like I do accounting because I'm good with numbers, but it's bigger than that. Like I, I want to actually do good. I want to help my clients. I want to be better. I want to do more. And the question is, well, where do you take that? Where do you go with that? What does that look like for you? Because it's different. For me, I'm heavy relational, love a good chat, you know, love a beer and all that kind of stuff, happy days. But that's who I am. And that means that maybe for you, you'd be like, sweet, love my accountant. He's great. I have a good old chat. But for the person sitting next to you, they'd hate it. 
and it would be the worst thing ever because I can't connect with them. So the biggest thing that I talk about when I talk about authenticity and I talk about what our clients really care for, I talk about what we stand for, about building trust is you need to understand who you are and make sure you're working with people that connect to that. Because if you're authentic and then working with someone who doesn't appreciate what you're doing, it's just the wrong fit. So I think there's a heavy desire. Most of the accounts I've met have talked a lot about wanting to help. And I think the last couple of years have really highlighted that, where there's been a huge burden on accountants to help. And we've been called superheroes and Marxist offenders and all these kind of bullshit phrases, when realistically, yes, we were, but no, we weren't, because it was just a nice way to keep us going. But we've learned over those few years that actually there's, there's more to this than just numbers. How can I do more? How can I help without actually having to totally reinvent myself? I think that's a perfect time to end uh, the podcast on. Thank you, Andrew, for coming in and talking to us today on the Digitals in a Cruel World podcast. If anyone wants to learn a bit more about you, uh, a bit more about Illuminate, or you know, if they're moving their business to Australia and need an accountant, <laughs> how do they get in contact with you, mate? Excellent. Well, you can check us out via web, Illuminate, I-L-L-U-M-I-N, and the number eight, au, Or you can check us out on socials. So Illuminate, Illuminate Accounting, you'll probably find us out there. Or myself, Andrew Van D. Beek is where you can find me. You'll find me on LinkedIn, you'll find me on Twitter, or you can just jump on the podcast, Ali and Andrew's All Aussie Accounting Adventures. Definitely advise checking out. I listen to pretty much every episode, and it's very entertaining. <sighs> Would you say you're a fan? I am a fan, yeah. This is good. <laughs> You've got one. We've got one. <laughs> the cult. We're, yeah. we're, we're expanding the cult. You can autograph him and then we'll get it tattooed on later. On his, on his head. head, yeah. Right across the top. Okay, but <laughs> this got out of hand quickly. But no, thank you again for listening to the podcast. Please like, um, rate, share, comment, and reach out to us. We love to hear your uh, insights and thoughts on that, what we've been doing. Tune in for the next one. <laughs> good save. <laughs> That's why we pay the big bucks. <laughs> I'll see I'll see everybody in a year.